Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, coming to you from that, that tiny shack just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is just, uh, just about an hour north of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, so keep, keep that community in your thoughts, and hopefully we won't have any more uh, right-wing murderers coming and, uh, and killing our citizens. Uh, if you don't know the difference between that and uh, property damage, then I, I'm going to ask you to stop, push stop on this and don't come back. But neither here nor there. Uh, we have a great little show for you. We are talking about the band Woods. They put out a dazzling album, strange to explain, earlier this year. And, and Eduardo and I sort of have been like revisiting stuff like that. And, and we were revisiting it at the same time. So, so we both got really into it, are really into it, and wanted to talk about it a little and, and search our feelings about this band that has been around forever. Uh, even if you, maybe you haven't even heard of them. I don't know, but I hope you have, because they're great. Uh, also, uh, something that both hit us at the same time, the Spin Doctors, Pocket Full of Kryptonite, is 29 years old now. It came out in 1991. That spawned a, uh, a whole slew of hits. Uh, let's see, Pocket Full of, see, it was Jimmy Olsen's Blues, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. And, uh, and for a while, they were on top of the world. Uh, honestly, haven't looked back at that album since then uh, so much, and so it was worth a revisit. What we found was kind of interesting. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about at the very uh, very front of this episode. So that is what we're going to be doing. Uh, without further ado, I will just get out of your way. Here we go with a brand new episode of Discologist coming at you right now. Okay. It battles here, and it finishes here. Two men enter... One man merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last man. That right there he is a lot A little bit about how we talk about music, how we listen to music, too. Because Woods is a jam, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that's what people say. But uh, have you ever been to Horde? I did not get to go. No? I did not get to go. Were you too young? This was, this was, no, it was during, because um, it went through like No, you 96. were in Brazil. No, yeah, you were exactly. Here. Yeah, it would okay. always be during the summer. Yeah. And I would be in Brazil. Hmm. So it's the same reason, I, same reason I missed all the Tom Hanks movies. <laughs> summer summer blockbusters uh people wonder why we're asking about horde uh you know <laughs> we have a very odd creative process here and to tell you what what this this originally was uh we're starting to look back at albums and and you were like hey man that woods album which we're gonna get to i promise uh but and and i was like oh yeah that's, that's a good little album and then for some reason like Spin Doctors got in the mix, <laughs> and, and, and uh, we have traveled down this rabbit hole and returned for hopefully your benefit uh, to draw some line to Woods from Spin Doctors, uh, starting with the Horde tour. I think you, at the dawn of the '90s, jam bands weren't really a thing. Like the Grateful Dead, I don't think was called a jam band. I don't. I can't remember when the term was actually coined, but they were just the Dead. Uh, and, and even Fish at that time was not like, it wasn't, there was nothing like that, but, uh, Horde came along, uh, in 1992 and just like codified all this. And you had uh, widespread panic. You had blues traveler, uh, you had fish, 
uh, and Black Crows. Black Crows were on that, and yeah. I, I forgot that they get called a jam band from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Or at least, uh, but uh, and uh, and then a band uh, called Spin Doctors, which, if we're thinking about their 1991 debut, debut Pocketful Kryptonite. Uh, it's 29 years old now. That's how we got there, kids. Uh, yeah. It was an anniversary. It just turned 29. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but uh, but. I was in college then, and that would come on the radio, and you know I wasn't actually immersed in like dead tapes or anything. Fish was like out there somewhere. Blues Traveler was safe, um, but even safer was this band Spin Doctors, this band from New York who just blatantly ripped off the meters and did it in like the whitest possible way ever. Which is honestly, I I think that that's the mo for like jam bands in general, not just leading up to a point. But you know, the, the, taking something that is like explicitly a a uh, ethnic type of music and and making it white and making it palpable, or in, in the Spin Doctors' case, making it sound like Jay Gall's band, and uh, <laughs> I just uh, what's fascinating about that is because we hadn't revisited this in years, but when we did, uh, we found some interesting. Issues with the spin doctors, <laughs> to put it lightly. I, I want to start just right off the top aggressively. Uh, this song is a bona fide fucking hit. I should have the numbers in front of me for how many singles it sold, how long it was on the charts, but it is a bona fide fucking hit. And, uh, and you know, well, I'll just play the first few lines. Here you go. Nineteen ninety one. Start off a song and says it's been a whole lot easier since the bitch left town. I'll just let you go on that, Edward. <laughs> <laughs> I my one of my favorite moments over the last week or so was you texting me to say, I think the song might be a little passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the spin doctors in general might be a little passive aggressive. Yeah. It, it it you know, there's there's um I was really grateful for the chance to revisit this album because it was definitely a record that, um, like I never, I never owned it, but I knew it from beginning to end because it was just, um, you know, the singles were ubiquitous. Um, it was, if you were at a party, it would almost always get thrown on because there was something in it for everyone. It served a really important like function before playlists uh, and mix CDs, right? Where you had to like pick something that the whole house was going to listen to at a party. So, um, so I was grateful to revisit it um, and to have to struggle through some of these these thoughts about, um, you know, there are there's like a tradition of songs that are cruel to the subject and that are hostile, right? And I, you know, like like Dylan's "Idiot Wind" is the sort of masterclass in that. Right. You spend like four minutes 
Like the back four minutes of that song is basically just, I am better than you, you suck. Um, Leonard Cohen did plenty of that. Like there's plenty of, of, of this sort of tradition, but, but having it, being confronted with that in a, in a friendly package that is so, uh, such an earworm and something that I've just uh, not really given much thought to. Um, I had to struggle with this whole, like, so I literally wrote down in my notes, like, so what do we do with this now? Like, where do we go? Where do yeah. we go with the spin doctors at this point? Because it's not just this song. There's this, this album is sort of dripping in um, while, while still being a really enjoyable listen. This, this album has a lot of songs that are sort of like, I'm the nice guy and you should have chosen me. And you didn't, and you're bad for doing that. I mean, there's an actual song. How could you want him when you know you can have me? So, uh, yeah, and it's a, I think the term incel was, was tossed around a little bit. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I don't want to suggest that anybody in this band uh, is an incel, but it is it is fairly proto-incel behavior. And it makes us, you know, I just remember, like, again, I was in college hearing this and thinking, like, this is okay. We have evolved as people. So this is not, this is not like saying that these are the people. Uh, the band is Chris Barron, uh, Eric Schenkman, Mark White on bass, and Aaron Combs on drum, that these people, this is these people today, yeah. But it is a very um, – it does throw off a very – I did look at a recent video and, and go back and look at these. It does throw off a very uh, not comfortable vibe, <laughs> if yeah. you follow me. And, and, it's, and it's definitely there – is, there, is there is a genre of takes and of criticism that is based on applying – retroactively applying today's standards to stuff that, that came out. Right. And so, you know, it's sort of not fair to judge this album as being unwoke when at the time it didn't it didn't scan to anyone as being absolutely not. Right. I mean, yeah. it was really yeah. enjoyable yeah. pop. It was like pop for everyone. <laughs> Never well, mind that the, the lead the lead single is. And it, and it came out of the scenes like, uh, you know, I sort of joked that they sort of ripped off the meters, but like a lot of bands were doing that at that time. Yeah. And, and uh, the center of that was the wetlands. Uh, in New York yes. City, and you know this venue has a remarkable history. If you don't know it, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes to it. But basically, uh, all these early proto jam bands, whatever you have it, would come. Uh, it was it was a venue, an activism center, and people would play there like all night long. Mm-hmm. So a show would not end. It would just like a show, or people would file out, but then they'd be just playing till like the wee hours of the dawn, like you do in New York City. Uh, and and it really did like launch the careers of people like them, uh, people like Blues Traveler. You know the whole idea of of that sort of hippie like adjacent scene was that everything's cool, man. And I can tell you something about that scene in the '90s is that everything wasn't like you. You see a lot of this like behavior in dudes who were just like because 
they got like a hemp bracelet around their ankle and they love a hacky sack that they wouldn't do it. They possibly could not do something shitty to another person, especially a woman. But it was always them. Yeah. It was always that guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, bonus points if you had like a little like one dread, like a, it, you know, like a, but <laughs> yeah. wouldn't call it a rat tail. But, but you know, this whole scene like developed and like you said, like it was it was acceptable. This is this is where we were operating uh, at that point in time as people as men. And so all that music that came out of it was okay. Blues Traveler, John Popper, like what he got arrested for, like having like every gun in the state of Arizona or something. Yeah, he like he like had like four <laughs> Idaho's worth of guns. In, yeah, in the trunk yeah. of his car, you know. Um, yeah, it, it is it is a marker for how far um, how far we've we've come. I think, and it's and it's and that's and I say that like I don't want to take anything away from from the band and and and, and from this album because. Um, but but and and but so the flip side of that coin is like, um, I think we do have to kind of reckon with with what it means that this kind of sexism would not would not stand as being sexist at the time, and it's not you know there's there is a fair way to do that. There's a non gotcha way to do that, right? So yeah, um, and and you know I think I think the album has. Um, you know, it certainly has those sort of passive aggressive, like you know the Jimmy Olsen. Uh, Jimmy Olsen's Blues is sort of another kind of nice guy. super dank weed or if it's phallic but uh it's it's one of the two yeah <laughs> it, 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 uh, yeah um there's uh there's a song what's the what i'm blanking on the last song uh, shinbone alley hard to yeah. resist yeah yeah that, that sort of it's it's i think i think that song has 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 aged well and it's it's aged in a really interesting way um there are there are moments of of uh kind of unexpectedness um, on this, but, but it was, it was a really, it was a really sort of, um, strange thing, I think for both of us to like have this moment in peril. I think we were like digging into it on the same morning and just checking in and being like, there's something, there's something I I didn't remember this being this way. (laughs) Well, well, you know, you have, you've got that song and then you've got also uh, proto wokeness on this, you know, you've got, what time is it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's not uh, passive activism, maybe, or whatever. Uh, you know, at the time, it's, it was... It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Even the name Spin Doctors is sort of like playing on the idea of like a kind of geopolitical uh, uh, cabal who were running the show and, and right. kind of selling, you know, selling the package of American politics to people. 
Right, right. Which uh, jump forward to 2020, and <laughs> yeah, that 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 insight still holds. <laughs> so, so, so maybe the hippies had it right back then. You know, I, I think what's also interesting about this is is on the quieter moments uh, on this album. This song, forty or fifty. Uh, mm-hmm. If you if you really get into it, it, it is sort of the proto cool it down jam mm-hmm. that we saw in in jam bands and honestly Blind Melon uh, kind of sure. duplicated this a little later on. Uh, and it's just uh, it's I, I want to play a little bit of it, and it's just sort of you, you'll you'll catch the vibe. A lot of that mood comes from guitarist uh, Eric Shankman. And one of the things I said in order is that we would not say this. <laughs> <laughs> but dude's a fucking sick guitarist. He really is. Um, because, like, you know, that type of stuff is not uh, – that's like jazz light, you know? And that that, that really, really defined uh, the jam band scene going forward from this. Uh, a lot of bands just they can't play jazz, but they do like jazz light. And I think yeah. you had you had a you had a critical mass in like the early two thousands that they mixed it with electronica a little, and it got really nasty and ugly and bad for everybody. But but at this point in time, you know, you you pair like the the stuff that he's doing with these leads that he just rips out that are classic rock, and it seemed to be this fusion. Of stuff that uh, other people honestly haven't really uh, achieved, or I don't know if they even tried. Uh, I always go back and try to think of like when these iconic bands, why they're iconic. And if you try to think of a band that sounds like Spin Doctors, I don't think I've said since 1992, like, oh, that sounds just like Spin Doctors. Yeah, in 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 hindsight, um, the other fun thing that happens when you when you go back and listen to something like this is is you realize that like. Uh, is you realize that that kind of '90s sound was was more per, you know you know at the time in the early '90s, for example, if you liked the Spin Doctors, then uh, you also liked the Ten Thousand Maniacs and uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket and Gin Blossoms, but you weren't into Metallica. You didn't cross the line. Like like maybe you did some like some grunge, right? But like you didn't really like you were sort of in a different segment. And and going back. Um, I was struck by how there are moments on this that sound like they could come off of, um, you know, vivid by living color. Absolutely. Um, and some of that's the production, but some of that's the, some of that's the sound of, of, of the band, just like straight up nailing tunes. 
Yeah, and, and appropriating black culture. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, the 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 beauty of of living color is that they, they not they had a pocket that they could sit in, so they took it outside of what we didn't expect from black artists. Uh, yeah. To to our that's our fault for not doing that. But then they could like drop back into it. Uh, songs like Glamour Boys. You know, yeah, stuff, exactly. You know, it's just exactly what you would think. But and, it even has the call and response that you hear um, on what time is it? You know, it, it has a very, um, the guitar tone, the sort of, the like, the kind of bass, uh, you know, the bass plucks here and there. Mm-hmm. So as far as where jam bands went from here, and this is one of the reasons we're talking about this, is uh, soon after the Horde tour, uh, jam bands became really big business. Mm-hmm. Um, Garcia died in 94, 95, uh, 95, uh, that lit the fuse on everything else. I, I mean, all these bands from that point forward, except for spin doctors <laughs> exploded, uh, spin doctors had their own issues. Uh, and they, they didn't, the second album wasn't well received. The guitarist quit. It's just, you know, a whole, yeah. there was a great onion article about, um, in the late, uh, during the 2000 presidential primaries, um, when scandals were coming out about everyone who was running. And uh, my, one of my favorites is still uh, Bill Bradley denying that he owned a copy of Home Belly Groove Live. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, that, that one has really stuck with me. He said, no, you know, maybe I was at a party where it was played. Sure, sometimes you pick up CDs along the way, but... Yeah, you know, and they kept releasing albums. Um, you know, they they did 1994, uh, and then Chris Barron lost his voice. Uh, Ivan Neville sat in as vocalist for yeah. him at some point, which is, you know, when I say like stealing from the meters, I, I mean they they were doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. It, absolutely. Like it's it's not like a lot of stuff we hear that's absolutely not funky. It's the opposite of that. It's like they were they had something. They had studied. They'd done their homework. But they, from 1999 to now, really, they were the early 2000s. They were just dead. But uh, I checked out if the river was whiskey, an album they put out in 2013 that is now labeled as blues. That's what oh. spin nudges are, and it is. And it and it and they actually like really settled on not not necessarily appropriation, but trying to become part of that tradition, which is fascinating when you compare. Uh, the the work on this, which was trying to be part of the '90s, um, and you know, Pocket Full of Crypt and Thing uh, or Jimmy Olsen Blues is a it's it's one of those like funny songs, yeah, you know, which was all the rage then. Uh, you think about that, think about like Breakfast at Tiffany's. I I feel like I feel like these guys are all genuinely like super nice guys. Um, I think uh, I think they they probably. You know, this was this was a time when, uh, you know, you could sort of become accidental overnight superstars, um, and and that still happens. But I feel like I don't know if like if like Lil Nas X is going to be synonymous with two thousand and sixteen or seventeen the way the spin doctors have become like a stand-in for, do you want to tell people your movie takes place in the nineties? Like play two dances <laughs> yeah. and they will know, right? Us, yeah. us rom-com people, we know this. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's, I think it's, it's really, um, I get a little bit of nostalgia from thinking too, that like, you know, people who weren't ready to have their work scrutinized the way we're doing 30 years after the release, like the fact that we're talking about it is, is, is a testament to how big of an accomplishment uh, this album was. 
Yeah, and, and it's, you know, in how they talk about it, too, is uh, it might be part of the. T- I mean, they had this, it was just a the band that people paid attention to. Like, you, you know that there were, like, tons of bands out there exactly like this. But this totally, like, PS quote from Rolling Stone, it says, their popularity is based on universal rock and roll virtues, which put the band, uh, they put their band on the cover in 1983. It says, the doctors aren't trying to blaze new trails. They know we've been down this way with the Stones, Curtis Mayfield, and a few other touchdowns. Two, band, two artists that they are the furthest away from. You know, they, they, they are they're, – they're just dipping their toe in the pool of funk. And, uh, and you know, from there, I think funk became a, a highlight of what jam bands are. And uh, we can – maybe that will be episode 500 where we discuss how that has been totally, like, leveled and failed by people thinking certain stuff is funky. Clearly is not. Well, uh, well, and in the and in the in the sort of the the timeline that I think you're 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 pointing us toward, you know, post post Garcia's death, um, you have sort of you know fish emerging as the sort of um, the the heirs um, were certainly the most commercially successful um, of that crop of bands, um, and then you have a long period of time where um, if you were if Pitchfork reviewed you, you didn't have anything nice to say about the Grateful Dead. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't praise like John Popper's uh, chops, right? You didn't. You didn't. Uh, you didn't think of technical virtuosity that much. You thought of composition. You thought of production. You didn't think of solos. You didn't think of groove. Um, and we've really come out of that now. We're not, you know, now you're now you're allowed to uh, uh, to be to be in Pitchfork wearing uh, a Garcia, you know, brand. Well, I, I think it's kind of expected in 2020. Yeah. But part of that is what happened over over this time when when uh, Fish did dominate. Uh, widespread panic uh, was on another tour. There are tiers of jam bands, folks. <laughs> for people who don't know, um, and uh, as you go down the tiers, uh, they get less. That you will like, which is not to say you you will not have a great time at a show, possibly depending on the drugs you bring in with you, but you will you will uh, you know the, on an album, say for example, a band like Umphreys McGee could not make an album like the Spin Doctors. A band like Umphreys McGee was certainly influenced though by the Spin Doctors. 100%. Like they they're they're bands are trying to create pop hits. This all led to this absurd notion in 2019 that indie rock was jam bands, which is what we're really talking about here. And uh, one of these bands, uh, to get to what we really wanted to talk about, uh, is a band called Woods that started in 2005. They have a new album that came out earlier this year, and I'm going to play a track from them now. This is Strange to Explain off the album of the same name.
That is uh, Strange Explain off of Woods's umpteenth album. Uh, <laughs> they've been around since 2005. Jeremy Earl, Jarvis Tavernier, uh, I, I hope that's how you say it, uh, Aaron Nouveau, Chuck Van Dick, and Kyle Forrester. Kevin Morby used to be in the band, and I couldn't figure out where Kevin Morby came from, but this is where he came from. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, they're Brooklyn-based, but they've moved around the state a lot. Uh, I think they have a studio upstate. I think they might be even bi-coastal now. And very early on in their career, I started hearing uh, whispers about them. And But it was from, like, jam band fans and people, like, referring to them as a jam band. And so what we were just talking about uh, in 2019 happened was people started this whole thing saying – trying to say that Vampire Weekend was a jam band. Because uh, Ezra Koenig said that he loved fish. Now, if you listen to Vampire Weekend, you will understand that they are not. There is no influence of the fish or really even the dead or anything like that. It is, And that is honestly, uh, to his credit, Vampire Weekend is a, a singular thing. Uh, there aren't people that sound like that, even though they sound like a lot of people. But and And, and that whole narrative has always driven me crazy because – what happens when we do that is that uh, to me it says people aren't listening to the music and and then i immediately understood that like i wasn't listening to the music for the opposite reason because i people were saying this was for a jam band uh audiences and i was like uh i'm not going to do that and so i went back and i really dug into the catalog and what i found is this band that has a pretty pretty remarkable catalog this album being one example but they they're a band that really I mean, and I mean, really loves the mamas and papas, and uh, on this record specifically, the shins. Uh, if if this was, there's tracks on here where if you told me this was uh, part of uh, Broken Bells, which was James Mercer and Danger Mouse, I, I would be yes, this is that's what they're doing, and they obviously like come from that point, and it's an interesting evolution. I think the ultimate evolution of indie rock, maybe, because I think we're at the end of that tunnel. Possibly, um, and but to have it perfected like this uh, is is, and I, and I do mean perfected. Uh, this is a stunning testament to just committing to your sound. There's there's a there's a um, there's a happy place that I mean I think this album does not come from a happy place. I think it comes from a coping place, dealing with the reality of of life today. But but the band feels like they are in. Um, a comfortable place, and I don't. I don't mean that um, as a as a knock at all. I just mean that their their work has been consistently strong. I was really into. Um, I was into some of their early stuff. Not um, although I didn't. Uh, it, I didn't come to it via uh, my jam band friends. Um, but I liked City Sun Eater. I liked um, Songs of Shame. Um, and um, and what was what well, one of the things that's interesting to me about this album is that. I feel like it's a lesson for me in how most people listen to music. And I think Kevin, you and I generally don't listen to music this way. Um, right. We sort of, we sort of are always looking to crack, decipher, overanalyze, interpret, get inside of. And this is one of those albums, this one in particular by them, but, but I think their whole catalog, you put it on. And, and my response is just, I really like this. I want, I want it to keep going. Like, Oh, I like where this song is going. I like what that chorus just did. I want, and like, it's a, it's a, this is going to sound like a slight, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a slightly more, more casual uh, listening vibe. It, 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 it is, it is really good music. And again, I don't, I don't mean that to sound like faint praise. It's just, it's just 
if someone asked me like what I like about the album, I think I would just say it's just really good. It's really good. It's an enjoyable listen. It's, you know, the songs are well um, organized. The sound on it, it has a very distinctive vibe that it maintains all the way through. There's sort of a groove there and you can kind of get into your little sort of credence or kind of uh, a little bit of a little feet uh, type, uh, you know, it's sort of coming off of that um, country fried uh, side of the, the musical genome more so than like the clash or something like that. But yeah. And, and there's a lot, there's a lot too. I mean, that speaks to the point about, uh, stuff being classified as a jam band in, in 2019, and them being classified as a jam band. And maybe, maybe they identify as that now, but, but I don't hear any, you know, the reason that type of, uh, discourse happens, uh, is because we've run out of ways. First of all, we have to sell stuff really rapidly. You know, there's been lots of conversations about the value of music and Spotify. Well, we've run out of like time to market music and time for stuff to actually seep into like people's consciousness. Uh, we'll just put the fact that the majority of music listeners are passive and aren't going to buy shit anyways. We'll put that over here for now. But you know what? What we have forgotten how to do is just say something is good. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, it just and, took me 50 words to say, I really like this. I think it's good, guys. Right. Right. <laughs> We've forgotten how to say, you know what? That's just good. That's really all I can say about it. And, 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 you know, there are people whose jobs it is to sell it. Some of them are better at it. Some of them are others. But, but at the end of the day, you know, at the, it's, it's, so, there's just a whole level of music that's just like, man, that's good. And that's satisfying. And, and I think too, um, you know, I've, um, because we were, because we were talking about this album, I think I engaged with it differently than, than I normally would a Woods record. And, um, and I actually ended up finding like that it, it was sort of rewarding to dive into it that, that way and to really think about. So for example, the album title, Strange to Explain, like I wrote so many words about like, why is, what is, what does it mean that it's strange to explain and not hard to explain, right? Uh, something that's hard to explain is something you don't really understand. Something that's strange to explain is something that you know and you see clearly and you're trying to translate it for an audience and it comes out and you can tell that they don't understand what you saw, right? So it's not that it's not that you don't have clarity around what you're trying to explain. It's just that when you do it, it sounds like something's not adding up. And that's that's such a sort of a minor tweak of an idea, but it's, it's, there's, there's depth there. And I found myself really like enjoying the process of thinking through that. Yeah. And then you start to take a little more time with it. One song that I, I spent a lot of time with on this is light of day. Uh, we'll talk about the reasons after this, but you know, this is, uh, I, I say this a lot on this show. Like, honestly, if we're not telling you who the band is, I defy you to identify the band instead just be like, wow, that's pretty good. So this is light of day by some band. i 
now that you're under, I'm leaving you there. That is, um, you know, in an album that isn't, like I said, it's not really coming from a place of happiness, but it is, it has a certain vibe to it. And you get to that, and, and something has been bugging the shit out of me that I hope some one of our listeners can uh, answer this for me. That guitar lick that you just heard, that droning guitar lick under there, that is from a movie or a television show at the end of it when it's like the, the good guy is revealed as to be the bad guy. Something is going on there. But like – and I honestly – I think it's intentional. I, I think like this was like – it seeped into like what they were playing and which would make it – that would be unintentional. But many moons ago, I was in this band called Zebulon and we never really – we played one show. It was in the D.C. area and in rehearsal – I would always start playing something, and the, me and the bass player would start jamming on the the bass breakdown of the chain by Fleetwood Mac, right? But we didn't know what it was. We couldn't remember what it was, so yeah. we just thought we were hot shit. We thought we were just like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> then literally like six years after the fact, we're like, oh, shit. That was just a chain. And, and, and like I can see this happening with this track because it, it, it is like utilizing something that's out there in the culture and putting it in there. But – you know they're creating whole moods uh, out of out of not a whole lot. You know this is actually fairly stripped down sound that they have, uh, and uh, it, it's they're just remarkably effective at it. What I want to ask you is: Is this to to talk about another term that gets tossed around? Is this psychedelic music? It has a lot of the the things that you would. Uh, that would become a shorthand for um, mm. sort of children of children of nuggets or something like that, you know. So the mellotron is is used consistently. Um, there's a sort of um, you know the vocal harmonies um, are um, sort of like uh, like you said, mamas and the papas run through like uh, kind of a more modern um, uh, filter. I you know there's there, you know, lyrically, there is definitely something. Um, this album is trying to describe something ineffable or something, right. you know. So, because that sense of like, I mean, I'm just looking at the fragments of lyrics that I wrote down as I was, you know, on on where do you go? It's where do you go when you dream? I see old friends when I sleep. So there's a sense of freedom there, but not not control really. Um, can you come back? I'd like to move on. It's been hard here lately. Um, on strange to explain, which um, which uh, we just heard. There's there's that uh, um, you know fade away. That's a fact. Hold your tongue. You might never come back. Like there's yeah. there's a journey. There's like so so. I think I think that part does feel a little bit a little bit psychedelic. It feels to it feels like not totally lazy to me to call them that. I don't I don't know that um, I don't know that it's it. I think the songs are are tight enough that. Um, I, I still sort of situate it more on the kind of indie pop um, yeah. spectrum than I do uh, like a King Gizzard or something, mm. right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think the test is uh, uh, and, uh, bands get called psychedelic because they jam, since we're talking about jam bands, you know, yeah. which is not often – that's just not – Really, a component. It used to just be rock, right? It was just sort of like you're playing a song, and sometimes the song is long, sometimes the song goes. Yeah, short. I mean, but if you if you look at like early origins, most people will know like Thirteen Floor Elevators and stuff like that. That sound, but it really took. 
a whole path out of that that was like way more out there. You know, Flaming Lips or something that's going to be more psychedelic. Um, but to like for me, for any of their work, honestly, it's just not. Uh, it's and and this is a positive. It's not adventurous enough in that direction because they are focused on the songs. The songs are there. The songs are saying something. The songs are. It's not just like, well we're making a cool sound and we have to have something to say. It was just make up some shit. You know, it's like, it's, right. they're actually they're like, not they, placeholders. yeah, it's yeah. the other way around. They had yeah. something to say and then they're building a world around that. Um, and it, and it's a fantastic world. Like all their, their past few albums have been like, like the, the album before this is love is love. And it's just like, it is, it does stretch out a little more, but it's, it's still not, it feels very purposeful instead of chaotic. Well, so so these guys spent some time hanging out with David Berman, and we would be remiss if we got out of here without pointing out their role on um, on that Purple Mountains record, which um, I'm probably not the only one who hasn't been able to listen to that for a very long time. Um, and we just um, unfortunately passed the anniversary of David Berman's death. And so um, I actually found myself watching some clips of um, uh, of of these guys and a few and a few other folks playing um all my happiness is gone and um and so you know i think i think i mean everyone from ryan walsh to just you know people who knew david berman will say that he was just this sort of presence and he really made you think about how you use language and um and how that how that comes through here is interesting i don't i i wonder if i'm if i'm giving the lyrics more weight from that association but i don't i don't think so i think i think there really is um not that there wasn't um, craft before, but I think I think this time the words on this album really did resonate with me. It, it really feels like they landed this and that and that it's an album that kind of speaks to this uh, to this this strange this strange to explain moment that we're living. Yeah, yeah, you know, to the David Berman stuff. Yeah, that's uh, it, Berman was not a guy who like got out there per se. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. He was he was very not just efficient but effective and uh and persistent with his use of language and sound. And um and he saw in for him and that was actually when that album came out I was like you got Woods as your band. Yeah. Like what what is that about? Yeah. Like are, are is the indie thing true? Like are you joining Vampire Weekend? <laughs> um and um and and that's why though because I think he saw in them people who were extremely focused on 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 the actual like craft of it and yeah. not just the the blobness that can occur in in a lot of this type of music or a lot of type of music they don't make um and it's interesting to me too how the sound is very different on the Purple Mountains than anything that Woods has done. Yeah, you wouldn't hear the two records side by side and think, oh, those are obviously the same the same right. musicians. Um but but there are um yeah, and it's not just because of the genre. There's there is there is sort of like um there, I, I think there's a thing you do when you're playing with David Berman, which is just that his 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 words and his voice are, you know, you're you're there in service of that. Um I like I like the the um yeah I think I think what we've said is like this album really feels like a home run and it it kind of is it just sort of suits it's 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 suited like like every time I've put it on 
this summer, it's been the right thing to put on. Like I've never put on and been like three songs in and thought, ah, I didn't want to listen to this. Every time I put on, it's like, hey, you want to hear me? I'm going to stick around. Um, I got I got the vinyl. It's lovely. Um, and I think there are just really, really impressive moments like, you know, The Void, which is um, which has like a weird sort of like a Spanish guitar that shows up in the middle and, and there might be like some some brass too in that that sort of and you're like, what, what are you guys doing here now? Um, I really like um, another song that kind of hits a lot of the same notes of, of uh, Strange to Explain, which is Fell So Hard. Um, which is a song that I think really does this great thing where it feels like it's just slams on the brakes when you get to the chorus and it feels like it kind of opens up. Um, and it's a really, it's a really well executed thing and it really elevates the song, I think. that chorus and i'm like maybe they are a jam band they, they're, yeah <laughs> they're not, no that, no everybody can have a mutron kids uh, you know? uh yeah you know that's it, it, that's not like i don't know what to do with indie rock because i just don't like where it's landed and when something is so firmly based in this i mean look they've they, been 2005 they, they were right in the shit Mm-hmm. Uh, with this and have developed since then. But, and I find something that I, I, I like this much, you know, part of listening to music a lot is that you don't just put it down. You know, you go back and listen to it. So like for this, you when you just said, hey, should I listen to it uh, again or should we talk about this? I remember liking it and then I went back and listened more and I was like, man, I really like this. Yeah. And like this is, you said this is, but and it's it's because of moments like that that are are, it somehow manages to tap into classic tricks of songwriting, and be fun and not completely just white bread and wanky, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it 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 um I think it does. I'm really I'm really glad we're we're sort of um we're having this this talk because I I really like how you're bringing that that sort of like uh that that classic rock. Um, that, that, you know, these are, these are, they're executing really well, um, on, on sort of things you do to make songs better. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's, uh, and there's also, there's, there's some, there's, there's craft and there's attention to detail without it, without it being precious or too ornate. And I think, you know, the example, um, in that song is the sort of the little wah-wah guitar line that, that shows up in the chorus that, um, that just rounds that, you know, it's not, if it weren't there, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily miss it. But when you, when you see it there, you're like, oh, wow, that just, that really, that really made it do something else. Well, it made it do something else and it made it be a little fun. And and it's yeah. something that like, you know, I've often said that like people, when they have a hit or they, and, and they're just completely doing their version of a 
an idiom or ripping it off. A lot of what has plagued modern music is people shy away from that. So they start heading towards it, and they're like, this is awesome, this is awesome. And then they're like, well, if you just keep going, it's going to be really awesome. And then they just take a left turn for no good reason, and it ruins the whole thing. And spoiler, uh, there's a band from Canada named Partner that made my favorite album of the year. <laughs> and and they there's there's various levels of this. Partner just went full on in and was like, Cock Rock, you're dead. <laughs> We're going to make this. And it's not ironic. It's not. It's just like we yeah. have the chops to do this idiom that exists. This is a thing that happened, and we're just going to make it a little better, right? I think what Woods is doing is, is the sort of the other end of the spectrum is like figuring out and really taking the time to understand that that is what they're doing. That is what they're interested in, but also trying to make it their own and not, not making something weird just to make it weird or not making something to fit what they think is some modern thing. I mean, this is, this is more so than any of their albums, I think. Yeah, I can hear like their voice on this. Yeah, it has it has that there's there's something I think I think you put it this way when we were talking about this earlier but but there's like a kind of um confidence and freedom that that bands can have when they're sort of like you know what we're not trying to do to pimp a butterfly we're not trying to do uh we're like like we are a band we make records and um and while I think this is a great record I also feel like they're not they're not like challenging themselves to make an an epical you know uh century defining piece of work i think they're trying to put out it's it's sort of like what i what i liken to like um you know who's who's another good band like uh that is like like spoon is a good example of this spoon yeah. is just consistently spoon is an excellent example right they just they just consistently put out really good albums and and of course they want them to be better and they want to make something magnificent but but what they manage to to do is to really just consistently like um deliver on what they're setting out to do and I, and i feel like woods is in that place now where they can just they're just they're they're not inviting any pressure from outside the pressure they feel is to make the record they want to make and it's really nice to hear a band in that space to hear a band feel like hey we made we made the thing we wanted to yeah, and, and you can feel it, and you can feel the confidence. They landed it. They like, yeah, they, yeah. they cut the tape, and they said, "All right, we got yeah. it. We got it. Put it in the can." You know, a, a prototype for all this is, is is something I'm about to take a deep dive into. I think is uh, Thin Lizzy. Uh, and, oh, I did and, not see this going to Thin yeah, Lizzy. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing, um, Thin Lizzy. Uh, they are. Uh, everybody knows like Boys Are Back in Town or Jailbreak and everything. And Jailbreak is a phenomenal album. But Phil Lynott was just a, a remarkable like poet musician front everything and there is despite what you might have heard on on classic rock radio there is a remarkable soul in in Thin Lizzy songs even on jailbreak if you get past the first song um and it it's it begs you to dig into this stuff more to like say like I, I and look I've listened to Jailbreak at least like ten times this week, um, and and track three is the shit. But uh, uh, running back for more is I think is the name of the track. But okay. you know you, you when you start that and you realize that these bands are more than the hits and they're more they 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 can have a solid voice that can encompass more than what you want, you know, and, and are actually just a legacy uh, and a record of of who these people were uh it it becomes a little more fascinating in that pursuit and I, I started to do that with woods now mm. and, and after this record i'm uh and 
and really fallen for this record. I, I'm starting to like really dig back in there and stuff and be like, oh, I like these are some these are some pretty cool cats that yeah. aren't like you said not trying to make some like epochal statement. Uh, they're just they're just out there. If if we're ever allowed to go places again and go see bands play live, I really hope to see Woods tour this album. And maybe they'll have another one out between now and whenever that happens. So yeah, <laughs> they can play yeah. two sets. <laughs> it could be a lot darker though. Uh, so so uh, what's this new album? The Strange to Explain. They have a metric fuck ton of albums out before that. Please go back and get them. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Come back in just a minute. Woods, Strange to Explain, is available everywhere you can buy fine records. I'm going to pick that up pretty soon here on Wax. Uh, and then I'm going to start digging back into their catalog, getting more... Seems we, We're just hit fall, so it seems a little fall vibey. Seems like that, that'll work out well for our current situation. Uh, that is it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, follow us on all the socials. There's a little link in here. Uh, where you can actually donate directly to us so you can support us that way. Uh, that helps us sort of keep going and, and, uh, and improving and getting better and all that. And then, uh, or maybe we'll just donate it somewhere. I, I haven't really decided what, what happens with that, but, uh, so you can get with that. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about Nubia Garcia's new album. Uh, that album uh, just came out two weeks ago. And then we're going to get into the 490s where we are going to sort of revisit some of the albums that got us here. And uh, by us, I mean me. And so uh, look for some strong 80s content coming up uh, as we get towards uh, 500. But we are going to take a, a break from that to talk about Sylvanessa's new album, Free Love, which is fantastic, in case you were wondering. Uh, so that is it. We are out of here. Uh, stay safe out there and uh, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>